Blog Talk Radio. From times of lore, ancients believed gold aided in prolonged lifespans and cured many diseases. It is proven to enhance mental astuteness and sharpen intuition. Gold aids in optimal bodily function and increases electrical conductivity and cellular electrical impulses. Gold can balance energy fields and is beneficial for opening and balancing the crown, heart chakra, and the third eye. One of the main benefits from an active third eye, or pineal gland, is the ability to have lucid dreams. This elixir of life is now available in two ounces for an amazing low price of $49.99. Our bodies are our temples. Peace, peace, peace. This is Coach Kair, and you are now rocking with the best. This is Original Native Radio, and that was Soul Gold. I don't know whether that the uh, whether that link um, got cut short, but that is the Soul Gold water. Really, that's for the drops. Um, We've been ingesting gold for a long time. It helps with tons and tons and tons of things. And if you want to find out more about it and you want to get the information, go on over to Soul, S-O-L-E-G-O-L-D-B-I-Z, Soul Gold, Liquid Gold Drops. And um, add it to your repertoire. Add it to what you got going on, and let go work in your life. Now, tonight's broadcast is brought to you by RelaxationIsTheKey.com, CoachKair.com, HonestHustle.info, and AlkalineWaterToGo.info. And it is a rebroadcast of Dr. Mitchell Gibson from Tybro. And you can find his website, www.tybrotybro.com. And my teacher, Sunyata Saraswati of Shindao Energy Arts, S-H-E-N-T-A-O-I-N-N-E-R-G-Y.com. I'm sorry, Energy Arts, ShindaoEnergyArts.com. And while I'm still waiting for the show to upload, which may take another few minutes, I'm going to um, just do a little preview of why I did the show originally and why I wanted to, why I thought it was important to rebroadcast. If anybody want to um, come in for the prequel of this show and give me some comments or ask some questions before I get started because once I hit rebroadcast I'm going to be playing the show back from Tuesday night and this is going to be able just to run through so if you have any questions or if you did listen to the other show please call in 347-205-9089 347-205-9089 thanks everybody who's in the chat room uh What's that? Conscious Thought, Jabril, Patar 999, Peace. Thanks for calling in, area code 413 and area code 347, who's already on the line early in the building. Um, what was I getting ready? Okay. When I originally wanted to put this show together, it was originally for Dr. Gibson. And then I said, well, Dr. Gibson's only going to do an hour. 
And I want to ask him about his background in Taoism because Dr. Gibson, when I originally met him, was we talked a little bit about Taoism, but he's in, in most of his interviews, a lot of people don't ask him about that. So I really wanted to introduce Dr. Gibson to my listeners who have not heard of him or um, any of his works or things like that. And I guess at the beginning of this show, what I like to do is some of the things I left out in the show is when you go over to Tybro.com, I would love to, everybody needs to get the Miracle Prayer giveaway. Go to Tybro.com, and then at the top it says Miracle Prayer Giveaway. Happy 10th Anniversary Miracle Prayer, and Doc has given away 10,000 copies of this miracle prayer. Um, this amazing CD has transformed thousands of lives around the world and provides hundreds of documented miracles. The Tybro Corporation is proud to offer a free download copy to 10,000 customers to celebrate this miraculous CD. To receive your free download copy, just click on the link below or go to the bottom of the page and click on the add button. Now, this miracle prayer is the Anna Bacoa, A-N-A, second word, B-E-K-O-A-C-H. And if you type that in Google and click on images, you will get the translation of you get the animal cord trans, translation of what the words are, um, these Hebrew words that Doc is saying over music. And I just run it on repeat. You can turn it in the background and keep it on low. It helps remove chaos from the house. It keeps the energy very, very, um, very, very much agreeable. If there has been some chaos in the household, this right here will make the energy more agreeable. It's, uh, a lot of people I'm hearing are listening to it, and they're falling asleep. They were having sleep paralysis. Um, children are having all types of good things happen to them while they are uh, listening to it. And I might do a preview because I wanted to play it on the show when um, when Doc was on. Let me see. Do I have it? Upload it. Uh, no, I don't, but I will have it uploaded before the next show. I did have it, but something happened. All right. So this miracle prayer, I will read it, though. And in English, the translation, the first line is, Anabakor Gejelat Yemenka Tatia Tezerah. And that means unconditional love connection to a flawless universe free from chaos and just that opening line is like so powerful the second line Kabal Renat Amcha Sagavanu Taharanu Nora and please I know I may I'm, I'm doing my best but I don't have the tones and I haven't been taught Hebrew um, but I read along with it as I listen to it Restricting our negative behavior, closing the gates to all forms of negativity and limiting thoughts. That's the second line. The third line is opening the channel to physical and spiritual sustenance, removing death from all aspects of life. 
Nagabor, Doshe. Did you, uh, I don't know what that word is, Kevayat Shamarin. <clears throat> but when you listen to it, it just it just rolls right out. The fourth line is gaining the endurance necessary to follow through and persevere in all our endeavors. The perseverance going through all our endeavors. Ah, uh, it it just to me to have that on repeat and just soothing my soothing my ears as well as my environment because Dr. Gibson has put extensive research into using tones and sounds and vibrations to heal. Uh, he hasn't written a prescription since 2004. He is a board-certified psychiatrist, but what what he's putting out right now with these tones, and if you go to the products page of the Tybro.com, and then you will be able to just find any of the products and read the description as well as click on a sample. The next line is providing deep insight, divine inspiration. Providing deep insight, divine inspiration. Who doesn't need more deep insight or divine inspiration in their life? The next line is desire to enlighten others with spiritual knowledge. I really love that one. The desire to enlighten others with spiritual knowledge. And then the power of renewal and restoration, the manifestation of our desires. And we are always, let me, well, let me reread it again. The power of renewal and restoration, the manifestation of our desires. That's really what we want to do is manifest what our desires are. But we have to have moral, the moral fabric, the intent that will make sure that the house we're building is built more based on love and compassion versus greed and disagreeable energies. Because we can stay in our own personal torture chambers by not being cognizant or disciplined in what we want to manifest. My particular take on life is we are here to grow. Everything else is the result. Growth is the reason. Everything else is the result. Love is the result. Sex is the result. Money is the result. Anything good or bad is the result of growth. Everything that you went through has something to do with your own personal growth. I think that when we change that change our perspective and put growth first, and I think the G in growth is for God, and I think God has to be first back in our lives, and that's how this Anabakoa prayer is built. It's seven lines, seven words of God in each line, and I'm just I'm 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 just happy as a lark that. The brother, the brother put it out there for us. I mean, I'm excited, and people need it. Some of the other prayers that you need on that CD 
I mean, on on his uh, product CD page, and we're getting ready to start the show here soon. These are some of the ones that I personally have. I have the Miracle Prayer. I also have the Conscious Mind Cleansing. I also have the Blue Star Meditation. I also have Spirit Attachment Removal. I also have the Removing Negative Karma. That was the first one I got, the Removing Negative Karma. And, oh, man, just listening to it once a day. Now I put them, like I have, since I have a couple of them, I have a five-disc CD changer, and I drop them in in order, and I listen to them at night when I go to sleep. And I let it just play in my subconscious. Um, so I have the Miracle Prayer. I also have the beautiful the Blue Star. I have the Conscious Mind Cleansing, the Spirit Attachment Removal, and the Removing Negative Karma. And I also have the Jupiter-Pluto Parallel, which is a disc that uh, Dr. Gibson made to help us with our abundance, our prosperity. And he's going to talk about that during the broadcast. So I do thank everyone who is tuned in to Zoom In for joining us tonight. If you do have any comments, please press 1. I'm going to take them now before the show gets started, uh, 347-205-9089. I know some of you may be returning from a prior show. Ah, I see the goddess in the building. Peace 301, how you doing tonight? We got some good stuff here for you. You came in right on time. And I also want to say shout-outs to my 912 folks in the building and everybody in the chat room, all right? So sit back. I do advise you getting a piece of paper out quickly and take notes. We're going to get it started right now with Dr. Mitchell Gibson and Grandmaster Senyata Saraswati. Thank you all for joining in. Hey, I got to find it. Okay, I thought I had it. it. was getting ready to be on play. Let me reset one more time. Okay. Dr. Gibson and Senyata Tag Team is what I'm calling this one. Oh, they're still compressing it. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll keep talking until it gets ready. It's almost ready. Oh, here it is. Peace. And relax in this beautiful space that you've created. So I stand up. Okay, we're going to expand the energy. You're going to do it the form with your eyes closed. So you internalize the energy completely. So just close your eyes. In order to go out, you got to go within. Tai Chi is my method of doing it. It allows all energy condensed in to the very core of your body. And as you continue this practice or any of your Tai Chi forms, 
practice with your eyes closed sometimes so you can really internalize it. And some marvelous things will happen. I won't spoil your experience. If you are not sexual, you cannot be spiritual. Because it takes energy to be spiritual. It takes energy to meditate. And I'm not talking about alpha relaxation. I'm talking about meditation, dynamic, deep meditation. Learning to rotate your consciousness through the body in certain specific psychic pathways that the tantric traditions have had not And in this way, we open up and enliven ourselves to the possibility of being able to create and be any and everything your potential will allow to be in this lifetime. Very slowly, 
Peace, peace, peace. This is Coach Kair of Original Native Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Tonight we got a real special show. I want to jump straight into it. Uh, I'm going to run the sponsors at the end, but I do want everybody to go still check out RelaxationIsTheKey.com, uh, AlkalineWaterToGo.com, www.AlkalineWaterToGo.info, and Tybro, T-Y-B-R-O dot com. I guess I'm going to explain as the show goes on why I've been really excited about this show and really trying to push it, but I'm going to bring on our special guest tonight for the first hour, Dr. Mitchell Gibson. Doc, your, your mic is open. How you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? Ah, blessed by the best. Too sexy to be stressed and worth my weight in diamonds and gold. You know how we do. <laughs> I like that. I like that. How have you been? Oh, man. You got me so excited, man. Wow. Mm, 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 mm. You've been, uh, I went on a, um, a Vipassanu meditation retreat at, at the beginning of February and um, a lot of our conversations came up because it was a silent meditation retreat so you know when you have to be quiet you get a lot of conversations and a lot of time to uh, run things through your mind so um, I feel like I'm on top of the world like, like I'm getting ready to stick my finger in an electric socket sometime soon <laughs> well I'm glad to hear that I'm very glad to hear that how about yourself how you been getting along been getting along well. We just finished uh, the seminar in Manhattan. Really good, sold-out crowd, really great energy. I enjoyed being with the family in New York. It was a really good time. Great, 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 great. If Kathy's close by, I want to say, hey, Kathy, Miss Kathy, I love you. Hey. Hey, she's right here. How she's are close, you? She's close by, sitting right here. Yes, 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 yes. Now, I'm not going to try to just snatch her in because I've been asking her to come on willingly. So she said she'll be sitting close by, so I'm not going to make it to Kathy and Mitchell Gibson interview. But, uh, Kathy, if you want to jump in on something, please feel free, okay? Thank you. So you excited right. about the upcoming Atlanta thing? Oh, boy. Let me go ahead and set the tempo right quick at, uh, when we get ready to talk about Atlanta. Here we are at the bottom of the eighth. We have Mitchell Gibson on the mound. We got a brother on first base and a man on third, and we're up by one run. And Gibson's got a two and two count. And the catcher comes out to the mound to make sure Gibson's okay. See, everybody, Dr. Gibson used to play baseball, and he was real good. So I know when I get him in that scenario, he knows we're in a tight fix tonight because I only got him for an hour. We got a lot to talk about. So. Uh, Doc, have you ever been in that situation before where you had a man on first and third and you had to protect the lead in the eighth inning? Right, I had to strike him out. <laughs> wow, Doc didn't say they're going to have to play better defense. He said, I'm going to just go ahead and make and uh, strike him out. Right. All right. Um, yes, we do have the event, the uh, Life, Harmony, and Light Conference in Atlanta on March the 3rd and the 4th. Um, Doc, what are you bringing to the table that weekend? We're going to be talking about removing attaching spirits and the spiritual world. Yes, because I want to talk about that tonight as well. Um, did you, uh, were you able to listen in to the opening song that came on tonight? I did. It was beautiful. All right. That is um, um, a discourse by my teacher, Senyata Saraswati. Okay. And, okay. um... He has been uh, gracious enough uh, to come in tonight and do the second hour with us. 
but I did want to um, introduce you to him, even though it's long distance, he's in Florida and you're in North Carolina, I did want to introduce you to him before we get started, all right? Okay, okay, my pleasure. Senyata, are you on the line? Hi, Namaskar. Namaskar, how you doing tonight? Pretty good. Thank you, thank you. Senyata, I wanted you to uh, informally meet Dr. Mitchell Gibson, and Dr. Mitchell Gibson, I'd like for you to informally meet my teacher, Senyata Saraswati. Hello, hey, Dr. Sir. Gibson. How you Good doing? evening. It's an honor to meet you. Very pleased to meet you. Honored to meet you as well. One of these days, we'll have to meet in person. Oh, we will hook up. We will. I hear a great deal about you. Oh, thank you. And all good. <laughs> How long have you been guiding him? Forever. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very long time in most places. <laughs> it is, it is. Yes, but it he's is. Next student. Good. Good. How long have you been teaching, sir? Uh, last 50 years. 50 years? Oh, my God. You certainly have the record over me. I've only been teaching probably about, oh, for the better part of 10 years. So you well, have that's a, a long time, too, believe me. Yeah, 10 years can be. That's most definitely true. All right, Senyata, I'm going to just uh, let you just uh, just hold off until the second hour. I'm going to leave your mic open in case you want to come in and contribute, but I really want to just aim this first part at Doc because a lot of the information, and, and the reason I wanted both of y'all because when I first met Dr. Gibson, um, Dr. Gibson said he uh, uh, studied Taoism, Kabbalah, and Buddhism. And um, a lot of interviews that I hear, I really don't get to hear a lot of your background in Taoism. So could you give me a little bit of your background about your Taoist studies um, as you started getting into the spirituality? And how old were you? Um, I've been studying Taoism for the better part of 15 years, and I studied a great deal of Taoism uh, as it relates to uh, the Mao Shan philosophy, which is one of the oldest Taoist sects. Yeah. yeah, the Mao Shan philosophy is... Uh, probably my greatest influence. I also have studied a great deal of the philosophy as it relates to creating consecrated talismans and uh, consecrated amulets, which I do quite a lot. And in my main altar, I have um, an altar and an icon that I have uh, enshrined for the Jade Emperor, which is probably one of the main focuses of what I study. So I study oh, the yeah. Jade Emperor. I study... Uh, quite a bit about uh, amulets and talismans, and I also studied um, Taoist shamanism, which is a way of increasing your spiritual energy through a practice called the Red Phoenix. Mm. Okay, 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 okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, how has um, one of the subjects that I want to talk about tonight is humility and discipline. How has um, those two subjects, and you can pick either one of those, humility and discipline, been a part of Dr. Mitchell Gibson's life on this particular spiritual path? Because me, sometimes I've gotten lazy, you know, and I've had and and I've seen um, the inconsistencies in my practice sometimes. But I see when I turn it up a notch, so to say, um, how the reward starts to pay off. 
um, a brother in your position, especially a uh, black or African-American male doctor, successful, uh, great family, um, a lot of people are looking and saying, what's the formula? Can you talk a little bit about humility and discipline as it in, um, entails the formula for how Mitchell Gibson is successful? Uh, that's a really good question. Humility, I think in any real success in life, humility has to be part of the, the formula. I, I remember uh, when I was very young, I used to be uh, a medical student in uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And I had a professor uh, that used to like to call me nigger. And I remember once when I was in uh, I was doing a kidney transplant with him, and he would say, nigga, hand me that scalpel, nigga, pull that back. And it was something that caught me off guard because he couldn't, he was a senior attending who was tenured, so if I had said anything to him that he didn't like, he could have made me do the whole year over. And so here I was, I graduated the top of my class in college. Uh, I was used to getting top honors and respect from my professors. And here was a man who was a self-professed member of the Ku Klux Klan, but who was also a brilliant surgeon, calling me nigger every chance he got. So I had met a, a former classmate of mine who, was, um, who had come to Carolina before I did, and he had come across the same professor. And the professor, and he locked horns. And he made Carlos, a friend of mine, do the third year of medical school over three times. And... It took Carlos seven years to graduate medical school because of that one class. And every time he called me that, I dug my heels in and I recognized that this is a test. This is a test that the universe gave you. And if you fail this test, you will never become a doctor. So each time that he called me that, I would smile. And I would... Mm, 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 mm. The black man could have just smacked him upside the head. I could take him easy, but I realized that I had to allow him to have his moment. Mm. Now this 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 interview with this conversation. Now we're I told you we're gonna be sitting on the back porch with some lemonade and we a, a couple of dollars on the line. So I got a lot of notes in front of me, but this may flow. So I gotta follow that lead right there. Uh, some people who may be looking from the outside, who may not have that particular discipline or humility, may be looking at, Ah, oh, Mitchell, you a punk, man. I can't believe you did that. Yada yada yada. What do you say? And um, to those people who may be looking at you, um, and you may be going through a present test like that, or somebody who comes to you as a present test, and you say, and you tell them that story about being a doctor, and they say, well, man, I'm, this ain't about no doctor. I, I work at Walmart, and this man's calling me nigger. You know, what do you say to a person like that, practically, right now? Say to a person like that, if you pass those tests that the universe gives you, then you get to keep your job, you get to become a doctor, because... Because I passed that test, people now call me doctor. Mmm. Mmm. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. The man that was calling me that name is now dead. <laughs> they don't call him anything in a grave somewhere. Right, right, right. So you also knew you had time on your side. I knew that I had time on my side. I knew I had, that I had reality on my side. I knew that at some point... The University of North Carolina was going to evolve. And this man, at the time he was working with me, was probably close to 70 years old. I knew that he was going to die. 
before I became prominent in the world. And all I had to do was step, put my pride aside and allow time to take care of him. So in that, humil- in that lesson in humility, I took myself out of the equation so that I could become myself. Wow. Next, next, next thing I have to ask is about, because in a, in a situation like this, maybe be some people who are listening who have taken your words of power class and say, well, shoot, you, some people, uh, Doc says he's had some words of power to uh, bring people back to life, cause miracles, stop people's heartbeats. Um, did you have, um, had you already had the experience with DeJounte uh, when you had um, met this man who was calling you nigger in the operating room? I had not. That experience was going to happen probably about six to seven years later. I had not had the experience yet. Um, but did you feel that you were still being observed by DeJounte at that time? I think it was probably a, I think it was probably a test to see where my soul was. It would have been easy to express my anger and my pride as a black man and stand up for myself in that way. But I had seen year after year what that did in that setting. In that setting, I didn't have that kind of power. There was another situation where I was in my first year and I had taken an oral examination in anatomy and I got all the questions right. But when I got my grade back, the professor gave me a C. So I said, how can getting all the questions right equal equal a C. So I went to the dean of the school, and I complained, and I said, I deserve an A. My classmates were witnesses. And the professor came in, and you know what he said? He said, your people only deserve an average grade, and so that's what I'm going to give you. Wow. And the dean said, well, he's a tenure professor. It's his word against yours. Your C sticks. And so that C is on my transcript to this day. I know that I didn't earn it, but I recognize, oh, this is how they're going to play that game. So if I'm going to become a doctor, I have to do certain things that will allow me to function within this existing power structure. And one of them was to learn the lesson of humility. Now i got to go back into the childhood a little bit. For people in my audience who may not know who Mitchell Gibson is, uh, you North Carolina born, right? I was born in a little town called Pinehurst, North Carolina which is now a golf capital of the world, but I was born not too far from that famous golf course. And um, coming up, you had to deal with some racist issues in that town, correct? Yeah. most uh, The town was half black, half white, but at the time I was growing up, the town was still very segregated. Uh, blacks and whites didn't mix. There was a black restaurant and a white restaurant, the movie theater, that I, my parents took me to, we sat upstairs, and you didn't get a chance to go downstairs and get popcorn with the white people. They had different bathrooms. In school, the school was not integrated yet, so I dealt with all of those things that uh, Dr. King helped us overcome. That was part of my childhood experience. And after you became a doctor, you started treating people of all races around the world. Is that correct? That's right. When I became a physician, I moved to Arizona, and Arizona has about a 3% black population, so over 90% of my clients were white. And it, it occurred to me that the lesson of humility helped because a lot of the people that I treated had never actually sat down with a black person of any, in any association. 
So when they sat down with me, they had lived in Arizona all their lives. With 3% black people, you could easily go your whole life and never meet one of us. And many of them did. And it now, was about I'm sorry, me. go ahead. Not about the facts of racism and prejudice. Um, now, a lot of people who have faced that type of racism growing up still harbor it in their heart. Um, what Had you learned a lot of forgiveness, or did you ever harbor in your heart uh, before you met DeJounte, or where did you learn this lesson of forgiveness that the particular lessons and gifts that you had been brought um, were, you know, for everyone? One of the things that really helped me learn forgiveness was watching people die. I've watched hundreds of people die. And when you watch a person die... It's a very, very sacred experience because everybody takes their last breath differently. But it doesn't matter what color you are. When you sit with a person and watch them die, almost everybody that dies has a tear in their eye. And when they look back at life, you can see as life leaves them, it doesn't matter what color you are, what race you are, you meet the afterlife in the same way. You meet it with one last breath. In in seeing that over and over and over, it really gave me a different perspective on race. It, it taught me that race doesn't matter. And with my philosophy about reincarnation, I really came to believe that that person may be black or white or Chinese or Hispanic in this lifetime, but that's just like put changing a coat. Next time, they might be a whole different race. So that whole idea of that they're going to be white or black or whatever this lifetime means nothing for that last breath when they come back into the world. So now when I meet people, I recognize that that's just a suit they're wearing. They're not really white or black or whatever color. They're just in a different suit of clothing that God has put them in this time around. Mm. So the race now, is I'm sorry, go ahead. The race question is an artificial question, in my opinion. The only value that it has is the value that we place on it. Mm. Mm. I say. Um, now... When I first met Senyata, Senyata uh, teaching Eastern philosophy, Tantra, uh, Kriya Yoga, uh, all these esoteric arts. And um, I had been, and this was in 2000, um, in July 17th, no, 2001. So in July 17th, this year will be 11 years I've been studying with him officially because the first time I met him, I walked right by him. And it took me five years to see him again. I saw him. Two of my brothers were standing on either side. I shook his hand. I said, oh, that's a nice hat you got on. Because he had on a hat, and I didn't understand. I said, oh, that's a funny hat. And shook his hand and walked right by him. And it took me five years to see him again. Um, about four months, five months into the practice, uh, we were sitting down one day, I think at my house or after practice, and Senyata said, this is the most black students I've ever taught in 35 years, 40 years. I said, Senyata, wait a minute. It's only six or seven of us. He said, I said, this is the most black students I've ever taught in my career of teaching. Um, most of the sciences that you teach and its aspect of spirituality, you find on a on a normal basis, uh, more Europeans or, you know what I'm saying, non-black races come. Do you find that true in your practice as well, how long you've been practicing these spiritual arts? I find that 
initially, yes, that was true. Our audiences used to be 95 plus percent um, either white or Hispanic, but almost never did I see an African American person. But in the last two years, that has really changed significantly. Now the audiences are split almost right down the middle, 50-50. And, mm. and I think for a lot of black people, it's difficult for us to be exposed to spirituality. We are, as a race, inundated with religious philosophy, Baptist philosophy, Methodist, Catholic. That's what we're swamped with. That's what we're raised in. But, so if a black person is going to be exposed to spirituality, they have to work at it. When you go to seminars, for the most part, you don't see people of color presenting. You don't see people of color organizing them. So that is something that I've really only seen um, start to come to fruition in just the last few years. Before that, I did uh, quite a number of seminars all over the world, and you almost never see a person of color speaking. But now I think that we are recognizing that many of our religions have not met the spiritual needs that we have. And many of us are saying we need more. And that's one of the things that I want to provide is that more part of the equation. Um, there are naysayers in the particular tradition that you and Senyata uh, teach. Oh, man, hands on. He's not even, no prescriptions. I know, Doc, you, I think in your bio it says you haven't written a prescription since 2004. Uh, Senyata has shown us uh, many times about uh, exchanging energy, uh, Fa Jing or Li Kung Jing or um, a master's level of Reiki course without even touching a person. Um, do you think that is going to, um, well, just give me your thoughts on that. Uh, about the skepticism, you know, because um, of that, and what can we do to? Um, I don't know if we can ever eradicate it because you're gonna have some people who just have that gene. I think I call it a doubting gene. I use, I still may have it, but what can we do to um, help propagate our art form and the healing aspect that we bring to the world? I think the greatest remedy for skepticism is to lead by example. You're not gonna change a skeptic's mind if that is, that is their philosophy. Skepticism is a, is a philosophy. There used to be great schools of skeptics in ancient Rome and ancient Egypt and ancient uh, Greece that taught the opposite or negative philosophy uh, in, in opposition to any great positive philosophy. That was their school. The skeptics have evolved now to become almost a priesthood adopted by science. <laughs> there's nothing that is possible unless a scientific explanation, but the, the, in my opinion, the, the difficulty with that is a lot of things that science depends on, science doesn't understand. Science doesn't understand the force of gravity, but we depend on the opposition energy of planes for gravity to make airplanes. Science doesn't understand most of the medicines we use. Lithium, for instance, which is used for manic depression. When you look up lithium in the uh, PDR, you'll see that mechanism of action is unknown. We don't know how it works. Penicillin, we don't know how it works. Most of the medicines and pills that we use in medicine, we don't understand. And as a result of that, the skeptic's philosophy is one of ignorance is something that we can afford in science because we have a method to investigate the unknown. Mm. But what they really mean by that is that when we investigate the unknown, we're willing to accept the null hypothesis as an answer, which means that we're willing to accept I don't know as an answer 
because we don't have enough data. Well, if you turn that around, in the spiritual world, we call that faith. We say that, well, we don't know how it works, but it works for me just fine. Science says, well, faith needs, it needs an empirical investigation and answer, which is hypocritical because if you turn that same thing on drugs, there wouldn't be many drugs that we could use because we don't know the mechanism of action. So when you, when you really boil it down, the skeptical philosophy is primarily self-serving. In my, in my feeling, in my work, I have a very strong philosophy about skepticism. I say, if something works, use it. And that's my philosophy about all the things that I do. If mm. I find it that works, I use it. If I don't understand it, that doesn't stop it from working. Wow. That thought brought me back to um, to a day I was sitting in your office. I don't mean to go on a tangent, but um, you had noticed that I was sitting in front of um, Kuan Yin and you wanted me to change positions, and then you told me to say a prayer. And in, in, in my practice, n not in my practice, but I've just been around a lot of naysayers and you say, well, I'm going to say this prayer, I'm going to say that prayer, and they're like, no, 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 you must do this one, you must, it must be like this, it must be like this, and Senyata's always saying, uh, don't be so mechanical, don't be so mechanical, and you looked at me real matter-of-factly, and you said, oh, just say the one that works, <laughs> and um, I really appreciated that, I really, really appreciated the fact that uh, you weren't into uh, trying to say, let me um, let me indoctrinate him with some Gibsonism. Uh, let him go back in there and search his heart out and find his own answers. And 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 uh, for me, that's always been a sign of a master teacher. So I just wanted to say I really appreciated that. I appreciate that. I remember that moment. Thank you very much for reminding me. Absolutely. Now I got to get to the paper. I think we picked the man off on third. And uh, we got this man still over here on first base. And we're going to go ahead and um, take us on out on this next half hours. So are you ready to wipe the sweat from your brow and get busy a little bit and buckle down on this last ninth inning? <laughs> go ahead and start where you like, my friend. I love Dr. Gibson, man. I just want to go on record right now and let the world know. That's my homeboy. Okay, okay, all right. Um, at the beginning, I played that post about that um, what Senyata had said about um, sexual energy and um, how it connects to spirituality and on one of your videos four years ago um, when you were talking about the sun gazing and then you were talking about astral travel and you said don't engage for sex for about two weeks were you talking about no ejaculations or no orgasms for two weeks or no physical intercourse because in some in some instances you can have sex without releasing your energy. Montauk Chia and Senyata has taught us a lot about um, ejaculations and recirculating your energy and diffusing that um, to maintain it. But it's a very small minority of people who either have the discipline or who desire to practice that. And most of the time, people equate sex, uh, especially men, with ejaculation. And maybe you were just saying, hey, just since I don't want to go into that long conversation, just abstain for sex for two weeks so you can get your energy up. And so y'all just had us on like 100 days with no ejaculation. If you miss a day, like if you had days 80 and you miss a day, you got to start over. So 
can you clear that up a little bit for me and maybe some of the people who were watching that video? Did you mean abstaining from sexual contact, thoughts, and intercourse totally, or were you talking about uh, releasing the seed? The, the philosophy that I'm talking about is, is actually based on an ancient practice. I was referring specifically, though, to astral travel. I've spent a lot of time astral traveling outside of my body, visiting uh, different planets, visiting different places in the, on the Earth, visiting the Sun, and I, I recognize a one-to-one -one correlation. If you have sex, that means physical intercourse or ejaculation of any kind, you just can't go as far, you can't stay out as long. It's, it's as though the energy that's in your seed and your semen and the energy that's released from the act of ejaculation of any kind limits the fuel that you have to astral travel. So I found, I tested it, I worked with it. There were times when I would ejaculate and try to get out, and I couldn't go any further than walking around my house. <laughs> and then I would wait three days, and I realized that I could go pretty much around the city of Philadelphia, whatever city I was in. But then I said, let's try this for three months. And so I didn't ejaculate, didn't masturbate, nothing for three months. I could go as far as the sun and the neighboring planets. And then, okay, I said, let me just ejaculate, and, and I was right back to being limited to the house. And then I said, okay, let me test this theory again. I went six months. And with six months, I could go from one dimension to another. So there was a one-to-one -one correlation with my range in astral travel, with my ability to control astral travel, and most importantly, my ability to control my astral body and the density of the body was directly related to how much energy I had left in my sexual organs. Sometimes... Okay, I, I'm, the reference is the show that you, the primordial love show you did with Ampu on Valentine's Day. I so love that. I've already rebroadcast it twice. I got it on CD. I even burned it and gave a copy to my mom and was like, "Man, check this out." And one of the one of the things in there that Kathy had mentioned was about taking time to know yourself, and you talk, and, we, and that there was a lot of conversation about relationships and you said oftentimes one person is further along on the path than the other and the other person just says oh I'm just gonna let you do that and you talked about how important it was to find someone I don't know I'm, uh, you didn't use the word enthusiastic but you said somebody who was at least an appreciator or somebody who understood and was on the on the same spiritual page as you right now I have a l large clientele of females who are very sexually frustrated. and But I also know a lot of brothers who want to say, yo, I want to sit on my seat right now and cultivate this, and there's some things I want to do, but they also want to be in a relationship. How does one go about um, explaining to a female or um, um, maybe even explaining it to yourself that, um, well, look, she's, she has this particular sexual appetite that she wants, and um, but you want to travel past your bedroom. I want to get outside the city of Fayetteville. I want to get outside this state. Um, how does that conversation uh, look or sound? And if Miss Kathy wants to chime in, what is some of the benefits of understanding? Let's say if you don't understand that as a female, and a, and and you meet a man who says. Um, it ain't all about the sex. It's all about what we can generate with this power. Um, how does that conversation go? 
Well, when you find someone who is at least willing to entertain being on the same page with you, uh, you make a discovery that your sexual organs are not the only uh, energy source that you can use to empower your spiritual growth. So one thing that you can do is you can learn to do rituals together. There are rituals that you can do as a couple that will increase the amount of power you have as a couple so that you can not only have sex, but then you can also learn to astral travel, enjoy sex, and still have your range. It involves learning how to take energy in from the sun. Uh, you have to learn something called scanning, which also is another energy source. You have to learn to honor the energy of your spiritual guides and the gods that are willing to work with you. Uh, it's important to learn to use words of power. There is power around us, and there's power in relationships, and if you learn to integrate the power sources that we have around us in your relationship, you won't be limited to not having sex or not ejaculating because you have other power sources that you can draw from that will lift those limitations. And Kathy and I practice a number of the things that I just mentioned. We do rituals every day. We do our words of power every day. We scan every day. Uh, we take in sun when we can. And because of that, we have other power sources that allow us to have a fulfilling intimate life and also to perform our spiritual work. Mm. But it really requires somebody who is on the same page spiritually so that you can exercise those options. <laughs> now, Doc, you said that so fluently and it just flowed out in about 30 seconds. And some people who are listening are like, yeah, 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 I want to try that. But that takes time, right? It takes time, and it takes a, a partner who's willing to be honest with you about their spirituality. Mm. Do you and think... We're going to do this, and then I got you, and then quit. I hear that way too many times. I hear that too often. Wait to find out what a person's spirit, true spirituality is. And the way to see if, what their true spirituality is, see what they were doing before they met you. Mm. Mm. Is that through observation, or do you hit them with 20 questions? Just see what they observe their life. See what they really believe. See what they uh, are comfortable with. A lot of people will do what they what you think they want to do just to hook you. And after they hook you, they'll pull out of the game. But if a person really it. has the interest, it'll be something that they will bring to the table that you can share. Or at least they will bring an open mind to the table. And an open mind is a curious mind. They'll keep bringing it until you give them a reason not to. Mm. Mm. Wow. I tell a lot of my friends and clients, don't try to eat all the elephant at one time. You wouldn't suggest somebody trying to learn scanning and words and power and, and solar gazing all in a week, would you? Now, if somebody is truly interested in you and in relationship and they see what you're doing and they have an open mind, they're going to look at what you're doing and say, I want to try that. Okay. It will be an honest inquiry into what you're doing because they have a, a caring about you and if the relationship deepens, they're going to see that this is something that's important to you. So in that regard, it's important that you be earnest about what you're doing so your mate can see your earnestness and see that this is something that you're not going to give up and you're not going to change on. And then they're not going to try to change you from it. They're either going to join with you or walk away from you. Whew. Boy, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm. 
I got so many other questions because I can stay on that tangent right there. Thank you for that. I want to, okay, well, I, I still got to move into, I want you to talk about, wow, got to make my sacrifices here, soulmates. Uh, the other night, uh, Ampu asked you, through your astrological background, what were some of the common factors that you had saw in um, astrological charts that showed people were soulmates, and you said, I haven't seen any. And then you went into breakdown about soulmates. And, and, and to me, I was like, that's, that's it. We've been in this, I, I, I say, European romanticism phase. We, we have so many, in, in, the, in the black community, you got a lot of people hollering, black power, such and such and such and such. I really don't like white people, but they still love romance. And they still have this thing of, well, I can just gaze in somebody's eyes and I know that it's them. But you talked about how it was a blessing of a creator to meet your soulmate. Can you talk about the science of partnering versus these illusions of romance? And, I, and I, I'm not saying don't be romantic because I like bringing flowers too. But I think that there's a science in relationships as well. Can you briefly talk about that before? And uh, what are your uh, opinions or words on just romance, period, and soulmates? Do, uh, do they go together? Well, I think the question of a soulmate is, is something that almost everybody asks and everybody looks for. But I, I think we should start with a couple of important points. In the science of partnering, you are the, you are the consi most consistent part of the equation. You bring the same thing to every relationship, no matter who that next person is. And so what you want to do is you want to look at what is the part of the relationship that I bring that I can improve upon. Who am I as a lover? Who am I as a partner? Who am I as a financial uh, contributor to the relationship? Who am I as a potential parent? Who am I as a spiritual being? And I think it's important to, to really look at and examine all of those different questions because in a relationship, you're going to be all of those people. You're going to be writing checks together. You're going to be sharing accounts together. You're going to be sharing a bed together. You're going to be sharing travel together. You're going to be sharing an awful lot of conversations with that person. Is this someone that will make you feel better about yourself and make you grow, or is this someone that challenges you not to be your best? That's the first question you should answer in a relationship. In the science of relationships, if you're around a person and that person brings out things about yourself that you don't like, that's a person you should walk away from. I don't care how good the coochie is. I don't care how pretty or how handsome that person is. If they don't bring out your best, it's best very quickly to walk away from that person. Mm. If that makes you laugh and challenges your mind and makes you feel good when you get off the phone with them or walk away from them, that's a person you should pursue. I, I think the next observation about yourself is if your family likes that person, that should only be a small part of why you picked them. Because your family's not going to marry that person. Your family's not going to date them. Your family's not going to pay your bills for the most part. That decision is going to be based on you. So if you have a feeling for a person, first of all, examine who that person is inside your heart. If you, if you can feel safe telling that person some intimate um, realities about yourself and then that person gives you a response that helps you feel good about what happened, then that's a person to consider pursuing. A person not to pursue is someone that criticizes you 
or challenges you in a way that makes you feel that you're somewhat less than because they don't approve of decisions you've made. Now, nobody's perfect. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses when it comes to relationships. But if a person isn't someone that helps you feel better about your life in a consistent way, then that's not a soulmate. That's not someone that you should pursue. And in the end, it's going to be someone that's going to be at the back of your Rolodex. Mm. <laughs> I want to get partially into some of what you're going to be speaking about in Atlanta and the subject that you have right now and sharing uh, Kathy talked about creating nadis with sexual energy um, and spiritual cleansing. Because to me, when you said, hey, check out their background, see what they're doing, and what little bit of information I have about spirit attachments. Um, by the way, everybody, Doc, is his first, well, not his first book, but his next book, The First Darkness, please support, support, support. I read the first 12 chapters. He's got my mouth watering. I love your style because not only were you telling the story and telling parts of your life, but you were also telling about certain conditions of the planet about, I don't, I'm not going to use the word attack, but I will say high number of uh, walk-ins. Dr. York used to call them walk-ins when people have psychic breakdowns, you know, and, and they're not practicing psychic self-defense, as uh, Sonata calls it, these entities, these disembodied walk into them to, you know what I'm saying, to do their will or do their bidding. And um, I was talking to Tigo, and he was talking about the number of spiritual attachments that sometimes we have um, on our bodies. About how many spiritual attachments um, would a person on the normal, through your research, who has not had a spiritual cleansing, about, um, can you give us an average number of maybe spirits that are already attached to people? Somewhere between 10 and 20 for most people. Very seldom do you see a person having fewer than four or five. For the most part, it's around 10 or 20. Uh, um, I also heard you in a conversation, a young lady on a show said sometimes she just felt like she just felt like giving up and just taking her life. And she didn't even sound remorse about it. And you said you looked at her soul and felt that she had a, a very heavy load of entities pulling on her. Would that be more than 20? That would probably be somewhere more like 60 to 80. The, the heavier the spirit load a person carries, the more they tend to want to go into the astral world and be with them. That means killing yourself. Are there some other signs to look out for outside of suicidal thoughts that may say that, hey, um, I've got certain habits that may be attached to spirit attachments? Or, yes, do... Or can we relate some of our, what we may say, quote-unquote, bad habits to spiritual attachments? Well, I would say that a lot of the things that we call bad habits with addictions and illness are related to spirits. Anybody that drinks a lot is not just drinking for themselves. They're drinking because there are spirits attached with two of them that like alcohol. Anybody that does a lot of drugs has uh, drug-addicted spirits attached to them. Anybody that has um, compulsive behavior... That's because spirits like the energy of the compulsion, and they're pushing the person to do it. There are others, there are people, for instance, who uh, are overly uh, stimulated uh, by sex, for instance. That's because they have spirits who want to get their rocks off through the person's sexual activities. So there are just a number of things that a person has that they can be attached to that um, is related to that. Most of the major illnesses we that affect mankind 
can be traced back to, to spirits. For instance, uh, high blood pressure. Spirits like to attract, attach to hollow spaces in the body. They like to attach to large blood vessels in the heart. As we get older, we tend to get a load of spiritual entities that attach to the body. If you release the spirits, person, a person's blood pressure will go down because that, those entities cause a lot of tension in the body. Well, that tension is not just because of the stress in their lives. The stress is there as a contributing factor, true, but they have spiritual entities that are making their lives difficult that they're not even dealing with. In a in a show, you I, I think it may have been in that same show you said that you had done a lot of research with Procter and Gamble about air or oxygen. Can you talk about how the science of qigongs or any breath work is valuable in regulating the body to maybe help ward off some of these entities or strengthen your auric field? There are a number, I mean, there are really hundreds of different types of breath work that can strengthen your field, that can improve your body's ability to take in oxygen from the environment. There's even a, a breath technique called the primordial breath, wherein you can learn to take oxygen into your intestines and hold air in your intestinal cavity so that you only have to breathe once or twice an hour. And with the primordial breath, you can flush out a lot of entities from your system. You don't have to eat as often. You don't have to sleep as often. And your body will nourish itself from the energy of the universe itself by taking in oxygen through the intestinal wall. So that's a, a, a rare type of breath work, but it's called the primordial breath. I have a friend, and I'm going to ask a question. He didn't, he didn't say ask this question, but I want you to explain it um, because when people ask me about this, I get riled up. And, I, and, and my street side comes up. But you were on a call with Dr. Palau, and someone was talking about um, initiation. And um, I was letting someone listen to a recording of one of your shows, and someone was asking you about a technique, and you said, I've heard it can be done. You didn't say that you had done it or that you hadn't done it. And so the person who was sitting there with me says, Man, he didn't answer the question, man. The dude asked him a question. He's a, he should answer the question. I said, man, he to have all types of irresponsible people listening. I said, that's why it's important that you go through an initiation and have a teacher. You know, but some some people walk around and say, hey, man, I should just be able just to walk up to Dr. Gibson and say, hey, give me three or four words of power on how to get crazy rich right now. What do you say to those people no, no, no. What do you say to the to, just to the ideal and the need of initiation, and why it's important that certain things be handed down, as in the Egyptians used to say, from from mouth to ear, from cheek to cheek. Well, it, it takes a certain amount of spiritual uh, maturity for a person to be able to accept an initiation, and the universe has a say in who gets words of power and how they're used and the results that they get. So if a person has a certain demand about which words they get and what they're going to do with them, there are beings who are much more evolved and much higher up the evolutionary scale than myself that uh, say to that person or say when that person petitions for these effects, you're not ready or you are ready. A person has to be, let's say, sanctioned to use those type of words and they have to be sanctioned to be ready to be, even meet a master. When a person makes those demands, it means that they're spiritually immature, and they may 
make it more difficult for themselves to come in contact with the master. And that's just how it is. You have to be mature, and more than anything, you have to be humble. I want to be very mindful of your time, but I wanted to talk about the subject of money. And a lot of people having a, myself included, I used to carry around a big poverty consciousness. Oh, if I'm righteous, I cannot have money. If I'm rich, I'm in the Illuminati. I must be on the take. Uh, yada, 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 yada. And um, some people say, well, why is, why must I pay for these particular things? And then you have to explain to them money is energy and yada, 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 yada. Can you give me a little uh, background on the where does that come from first? Where did that prosperity consciousness come from? I know the breeding it comes from, but I also saw that you had done some astrological studies with Pluto and Jupiter, and you have a CD that emits those tones. So can you kind of put that in a nutshell if you can feel where I'm going? There is a, a very prevalent philosophy about the energy of money, and part of that has to do with how people have been controlled by certain forces in our world that make you think a certain way about money. Most of the money, over 97% of the money in this world, is in 1% of the hands. And it used to be that it was illegal for the average person to carry money. It used to be that if you had wealth, it had to be stored or hidden away because there were people who were in, the, in power that would come into your home and take it. The same was true of slaves. Slaves weren't really allowed to have money. They weren't really allowed to have bank accounts. They weren't really allowed to save. And during many periods in human history, the average person was not allowed to store large sums of money because they felt that if you could store money, you could buy an army and overthrow the nobility. So we developed a lot of defensive structures around that, those realities. We said, well, money must be bad or you don't need it. And we developed ways of just accepting the inequities or the... Uh, the problems with those philosophies. We accepted the fact that we were being abused by the powers that be. And now that's been going on for so long, a lot of people still believe that way. They still believe, well, this is a bad world and you should really only have enough just to get by. And if you have more than that, you must be doing something wrong. Those philosophies, those ways of thinking come from the times when mankind only shared wealth with a very small amount. Well, those times have changed, but Still, only a very few people have more than a few thousand dollars in the bank account, in their bank account. Most people in the world, the average person on this planet, lives on less than $500 a year U.S. money. In the U.S., we are the wealthiest country in the world, where the average person in this country lives on $30,000 a year. But we also have more billionaires and millionaires in this country than any other country in the world. So that 90% of the world's wealth is concentrated in this one country. So I found that a lot of the people that have a lot of that wealth do have certain planetary alignments that help make it easier for them to take advantage of that wealth, in particular Jupiter-Pluto parallel or Sun in high declination uh, or a Jupiter-Sun conjunction. And those are energies that you see over and over and over in people who are wealthy or have created wealth and what I find to be true is that you can supplement those energies in your chart just like taking a vitamin or a medicine or a condition. Poverty consciousness is a type of illness. 
and that type of illness can be treated. Wow. Any quick tip for poverty consciousness before I let you go, Doc? I think the best thing to treat poverty consciousness is a thing that I often like to give. Take a ginger root, grind it up, mix it with some fresh honey, and take a pinch of that every day. It helps to destroy that gene. Can we drink that in a tea? Because my mother makes that like every day. Like it's on the stove right now. Can we drink it in a tea? See, I would just take a pinch of the raw ginger and honey together. A pinch of the raw ginger and honey every day. Whew. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Doc. Do you have any other announcements other than we're going to be doing it real big down in Atlanta on March the 3rd and the 4th? You're going to be speaking on Saturday. Dr. Delbert Blair is going to be there on Sunday. Even little old Kyrie, the, the rookie's getting ready to come in there and do a little something on Sunday. Um, you got any other announcements pertaining to that or anything else you got going on right now? Uh, for right now, just go to our website at www.tybro.com and look at our upcoming events, and you'll see that we have a whole slew of things coming up, including a new Word of Word of, I mean, Body of Power or Body of Life seminar. We have a seminar coming up in Atlanta. Just a lot of stuff. Good take, do yourself a favor and take a look at that page, our upcoming events. Exactly, exactly. I want to honor um, Sonyada and just ask him real quick before you leave. Sonyada, do you have any comments or questions for Doc before I let him go? And we turn it over to the second hour. Yes, he said everything I tried to say. <laughs> Believe me, he did. Oh, no, Sonyada, you're not getting off that easy. Dr. Gibson, Sonyada tried to get off easy and say, well, Dr. Gibson already said it, so Kaya, what you going to ask me? We're getting ready to talk about he had a kundalini, a cosmic kundalini meditation workshop in Fort Lauderdale last weekend, and I want to talk to him about that and uh, some and some other good juices. So, uh, But I definitely appreciate you for coming on, uh, giving me this time. All is well on my end, brother. All is well. Thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to seeing you in Atlanta. Absolutely. Oh, well, no, you're going to see me right before then. I'm going to see you next Thursday. Okay. All right, we'll have a chat then. Take care care then. All right, thank you, Dr. Gibson. Bye. I got to give him a round of applause, Sonata. Hold on for a second. It's heavy. Now, Sonata, a lot of times people say, well, man, y'all just must be just, like just teaching all the time. Every time y'all just get uh, together or something. But people don't know. Sometimes, man, you get around and, you know, uh, have conversations about other great teachers. Can you give me some, um, some comments or some feedback other than he said it all on uh, what you heard from the brother today? Well, basically, um at the level of where he's coming from, he's absolutely correct um, in everything he said. Um, mm. I, I normally don't deal at that level because I'm looking for people that's really on the spiritual path that I work with and people who are ready really to go into what they call the teaching process. And so that that's really my focus. What's the process called again? Ascension process. Ascension process. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Because I, I do remember, I can recall many a day we would be 
uh, now hindsight being 2020, I can look back, see that we may have been testing your patients because we wanted to deal with some other things outside of ascension, and you were trying to trying to make sure we got the the cream of the you know the cream on the top, and maybe right. we want to uh, go through and deal with some other things, and um, absolutely. But I really think that a lot of work that Dr. Gibson is doing is going to help prepare some people for their ascension. What do you think? Absolutely. I know that. There's no doubt about that. Mm, but he's a, he's a much more considerably younger man than you are, too. So it's good, um, you know, that, you know, uh, teamwork makes the dream work, I say. Oh, yes. All right. Um, now, some of the people on the line who are still on the line know who Sanyata Saraswati is, and some may have came just to check out Dr. Uh, Dr. Gibson's part. We are getting ready. Right now on the line, we have uh, my teacher for the last 12 years. I could just put a lot of accolades out there and paperwork and all that, but one thing I would say is the brother's so humble, I don't feel right about just dropping all of his bio. Just type his name in Google. He'll pop up, but I do say at all times with no reserve, the jewel in the lotus, the third edition, is a must-have. It's a must-have. Um, his website is Shindao, S-H-E-N-T-A-O, Energy, I-N-N-E-R-G-Y, Arts, ShindaoEnergyArts.com. There's a lot more information on that because I really want to get into um, sharing with Senyata tonight and let him uh bring in some other what I feel is necessary information that a lot of us could could do well by listening to a person who has uh lived a lot of la- life on the planet earth I call them laps around the sun I don't even call them years anymore if a person is a considerably older than you and considered a wise person, they've seen some things on their laps around the sun, and it will do you wise to sometimes be quiet and listen. And um, I have learned a great many things. I still talk a lot, but um, there have been a lot of times where I have been quiet to listen to what uh, Grandmaster Senyata has told me or Dr. Gibson has told me so I can apply it in my life. And that's one of the reasons, the major reasons, why I wanted to have both of them on the show tonight. Senyata, I'm a, we're going to start right there. We're going to kind of continue um, when uh, he was talking about preserving uh, the sex, the links between sexual intercourse, and you often have told us in relationships when you get with a woman, you wait 30 days before you all have sex um, to to check out maybe the. Well, you tell me what is the rationale behind that, or what is your particular personal reasoning in your lifetime of why you consider that practice to be a good practice for yourself and others. Well, number one, it, it creates a personal mag- magnetism between you and your and your mate, and it also activates the charisma, the natural charisma that we all have, and we just haven't cultivated because we rush into a relationship. And uh, as I said before in our class, when I lived in North Carolina, you never make love to a woman unless you decide to marry her. Because mm. if that's not fair, it's not going to work. 
Mm. So a lot of the friction sex that's going on in the world has been going on for thousands of years. How do we sometimes differentiate between just those desires of friction sex and um, actually having intercourse with another person? Well, I said a minute ago, it's got to be love. Mm. The animalistic sex. And we're supposed to be the highest species on the planet now. And so that's got to be trans- transformed. I'm not saying that don't have friction sex, because it's a time for everything. But the friction sex basically is just to stimulate the Kundalini energy. And most people don't realize that. Mm. For 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 some of those who may be, because you know my show is a kids, adult, grandparent show. For those who um, may not um, fully have a comprehension of the word Kundalini, because you tell us all the time people are writing all these books about Kundalini to make money. Um, can you give us a actual tangible definition of Kundalini? Kundalini is your basic is your basic life force in the body, and what it does once it's activated, it opens up the whole creative process within your whole total being. A lot of people think Kundalini is a, a mystical energy and all of that, and that's just not true. It's your natural birthright. Keep that energy, uh, as I say, keep your motor running. And there are various processes and techniques to keep the motor running. But first, it's got to be initiated to start the engine. And that's where I come in. Show people how to start. Mm, The initiation. Yes. Do you think, because there are people out here who say, oh, I can read this book and I can watch these YouTube videos and I'm getting ready to raise my Kundalini and I don't have to go through all that stuff you're going through, Kair. I'm not getting no teacher, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to raise my, but they're always talking about I'm trying to raise my Kundalini. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to do all that. Are you saying that the videos, the books, and changing their diet, if they don't have a teacher, if they're not going through the initiation, that the Kundalini is going to remain dormant? Yes, it will. They have to have that initial spark initiated in their system. Mm. And and I'm asking this for the, you know what I'm saying, for the neophytes. Are there any exceptions? Are there any exceptions to that rule? Somebody, oh, well, not me. I don't need to get that spark. I can just do it myself. They're fooling themselves. Mm. And they many tricks. We've seen that through uh, psychedelic drugs. I know you came through the 60s and the 70s. You were a younger man then. I was just a pup um, about people trying to use psychedelic drugs then, and they're still trying to do it now to get to this place called Nirvana. And to me, I keep I say this: it's a uh, they're trying to shortcut the path. Uh, what do you have to say about the use of these psychedelic drugs and? Um, people trying to find these particular shortcuts. Never works. 
never works. I don't care what drug it is, because that's an artificial stimulation. And if, if, if you get your Kundalini activated through initiation, that's the biggest high you'll ever get in the world. <laughs> and you know I'm talking about the cosmic cobra breath. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I done smoked a ton of weed, and I ain't never had nothing like the cobra breath, ever. I done drunk a lot of liquor, too. I'm not necessarily a drinker, but I've been in particular altered states from from, from, from external sources. And me particularly, I bear witness that I haven't had anything um, close to the cobra breath. And that's for, for me, that's my caviar. And, and, and I have the proof. Like Dr. York used to say, evidence, experience, and reason. Like it doesn't take me more than three to five minutes to start having proof that that that, that cobra breath is actually working. Um, Dr. Gibson talked about a little bit about tonight about people even having the right to see a person who can initiate them with this cobra breath or with whatever, because because even in the uh, Jewel and the Lotus, and you told us many times. All ancient civilizations have had some type of breath. Doc talked about the primordial breath, and um, um, which I suspect may be a similar technique. But, uh, um, oh man, I'm just my mind. I'm just blanked out on me on that question. I think I was going to say something about, um, oh, being worthy being worthy to be somewhere to get an initiation. Um, is there some type of, is is that your karma that you're going through in your own particular lifetime now or your dharma, you know, that if you do get to a spiritual teacher who can who can um, initiate you, or if you don't get to a teacher, or let's say you knew it was a teacher and somebody was like, yeah, I know he's doing these, these initiations um, on this certain day, but I can't get there. Can we do it over the telephone? Can I? Can you? Can can we do it on Skype? Can we telecom? Can we teleconference it? Uh, what about the worthiness of actually getting to a person who can initiate? Well, number one. Well, I'll just speak from my experience. Um, when people come to me for initiation. They're scanned first, number one. I check out their auric field. I check out their electromagnetic field. And I check out their heart. And if I see any discrepancy in any of those three fields, I will not initiate them. Mm. So that, that, that's the primary essence. Honesty. Inwardly and outwardly. Mm. Because... Mm. And the word that came in my head... On your behalf is integrity. It takes a person of high integrity to say, "Well, look, I'm gonna pass you a couple hundred dollars. I'm gonna give you a couple thousand dollars to get an initiation, because I really want to have, I want to really want to have this experience and want to have this great sex." What do you say to those people? I don't say anything. <laughs> Use myself and walk away. <laughs> gracefully, bow out gracefully. Absolutely, absolutely. Not, not responding sometimes is the best response. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so last last weekend you had a cosmic kundalini meditation workshop in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. How was that? 
thought it was wonderful. Um, I, I guess there was thousands of people there. And uh, and the ones that attended the workshop, I gave them a, a couple of techniques just for them to actually experience the Kundalini properly before I taught them how to move it up in the spine into the brain. Hmm. So, mm. It was a real fantastic experience for people. Wow. What, did you get some, some, some big wide-eyed experiences from people after it was over? I couldn't go home for hours, man. I was I was inundated by people. Wow. Okay, okay. Now, how long have you been practicing that particular meditation yourself? And how long have you been wanting to, and why now? You know, is that something that you normally teach? You know, why why have you chosen now? I guess that's the second part of the question. How long have you been doing that meditation? If you want to answer that, but then why now? You could have done a hundred different techniques that you could have brought and taught at that particular seminar. But why now did Sanyata Saraswati decide that it's time for me to teach this particular meditation? Okay. Well, part one of the question is that I've been working on this for many, many years after my initial Kundalini experience. And uh, and that's why I studied Taoism, Tibetan Buddhism, to put the pieces together along with Kriya Yoga. And I found that if you learn how to combine them in the right sequence, Instead of waiting 33 years for Kundalini to activate because we've got 33 vertebrae in the spine and that's how long it takes for them to activate. And once I found the right key, which I was giving a lot of my information to Babaji, that uh, I combined it in a way where a person can experience the Kundalini in full experience in 30 days. Hmm. That's what I'm now because time is right. That's the short answer. The time is right. Time is right. Wow. The time is right. You see, see a lot of people still think we're in Kali Yuga, the age of fire and destruction. But that cycle has passed. We're in Sata Yuga, the golden age of enlightenment. It's time to bring forth all this information. I call it the Alpha Millennium, the new beginning. And at this day and age... It is a new beginning for anybody that's consciously on the spiritual path. So that's why I'm offering it now. No time like the present, right? Right. With that in mind, one of your favorite phrases is awareness is the key. Awareness. How important is it that we be aware of the times right now and activating kundalini or just being aware first because I think being aware you know if you're not aware and you're trying to just do something with kundalini that's like a child playing with a 44 magnum so can you just talk about that importance of awareness I'm sorry go ahead well, number one, a person has to be aware to even want to activate Kundalini. 
or any of the spiritual gifts. And that's the awareness I'm talking about. Everybody's talking about higher states of consciousness and levels of, of higher states of consciousness. Consciousness is already expanded at its highest level. But awareness has it. And so you have to give processes to make to help people become aware. And you start with the subtle energies until it becomes gross energy. And that takes time. My last student here. Here it took him 32 days. Now is the is the cosmic kundalini meditation similar or nothing like the cosmic cobra breath? Because some people may say, hey, I can just get this right here and it's the same as that. No, it's not the same. The reason it's not the same because in the cosmic cobra breath, as you know, we're activating the energy from the spine up into the crown. And in this process that um, I'm working with now, he started solar plexus, monopura chakra, because that's the home of Kundalini. And you raise it up into the heart, because the heart chakra is a transformational point. And this is where all your gifts come from, not in the brain. That's an adolescent dream. Everybody wants to get high up in their brain. But the truth is now what I've experienced is that you bring it up into the heart and then express it out in, in the universe. And, and and then you make that real connection with people. you got to come from the heart, not from the brain, your little mind or any of that. And the Kundalini has to be generated in what we call a Dumo fire, right, in Manapura Chakra. And then it drops down into the sex center. And this is where the soul is. It resides in the sex genitals. And I've just started expressing that to a lot of people. And it's kind of shocking to most people because they see the soul as an abstract principle. And, uh, but it's not. And it's what, the way I've experienced that the soul does reside in the genitals. Now, how to access that? You have to work with Kundalini energy. Now that's now that's big. That's big about the soul residing in the genitals and Kundalini residing in the solar plexus. Now, yeah, know. do you know how many books on the shelves, I know. Or, or, or or eBooks, or people's persona? You know that that you just just shook up. I mean, in in the chat room, right? I want like if y'all heard what he said about I'm, say that again, Senyata. See, I'm not trying to shake up anybody. Uh, most people that write these books are still living in a Piscean age consciousness, and we have gone past Piscean age technology, and this is the new technology for now. It's the same processes and techniques done in a systematic manner and explained in a way that people can get it instead of a lot of mystical terms and a lot of hocus pocus involved in it. It's a straight scientific process. 
And if a person practices, they did it. Not something you can think about or read about. You got to do it. And it takes 14 minutes a day. Hmm. But as I said, the initiation is, you got to have the initiation just to jumpstart the battery. No matter how much sexual juice you think you have now, it's going to triple if you get the initiation. Wow. What do you you say to, and this is I am prevalent because you don't, you don't get out as much as I do, and you don't hear as much as you're not on the Internet like me. There's a big thing around now that a lot of women are not having orgasms, and that's what they're chasing. Oh, I want to have this lovely orgasm. I want to have this big, long orgasm that I thought so-and-so had. I want to do this. And then on the other side, you got the men saying, oh, what do I got to do to make my woman have this big orgasm? It'll make me seem like I'm the man. Uh, can you speak on can you speak on that for me? Yes, I can. Which a lot of you won't agree with me, but sex without love is damaging. Wow! Remember years ago, I told you in class. Take lust out of love. Because if it's a lust animalistic state of being, that's all you're going to receive. That's why I kept telling you people years and years ago, friction sex leads nowhere. It's just a stimulation. And the orgasm happens in the heart anyway. It doesn't happen in genitals. The basic element of love is very, very, it's the most important factor. Wow. Oh, let's talk about let's talk about self-love right now. Self-love because a lot of people are looking for, well, I want to see my soulmate so they can complete me. Or I'm looking for this other person who really, really needs to love me. But they really want somebody who can, because misery loves company. What do you have to, uh, how important is it, Senyata, in this practice to to love yourself and appreciate that you know because I now understand even deeper take the lust out of love because if I got lust in love I can say oh this person is cheating on me because I own your vagina or I own your penis and you're letting somebody else share that and I got the whole value of this relationship down there in between your legs and my legs what about what says Senyata about really needing to love yourself you know, and 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 what part does honesty from the four virtues, honesty to myself and others at all times, what part does that play in self-love? Well, self-love, again, is the most important factor. Uh, if you can't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. Period. And a technique that I try to... Uh, share with people is look in a mirror every day see I love you I love you I love you for half an hour and that's going to reprogram your brain and 
and this reprogramming starts to open up all, all, all the psychic nerves in the body. So you can feel alive, so you can exude that energy of love, inwardly and outwardly, to attract the ideal mate. It's a very simple mm. process, but very few people do it. Is it because we watch too much TV? Is it because we don't have the programming? Is it because we don't have the discipline? That's my thing is I find a lot of people don't want to come to class because of the discipline it takes to do this work. I remember one day we were doing an event, and um, we were doing a demonstration, and everybody from Shindao, we were going to do the white crane, and everybody was watching us, and I was like, ooh, senyata, hopefully we'll get some more students. You know, they'll see what we're doing, and they'll want to come do what we're doing. And you looked at me and said, one out of a thousand, brother, one out of a thousand. Is that still true? You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or has that number came down some? It depends on the location of where you're teaching. I found that uh, I got most of my students when I lived in California, then Las Vegas. Uh, and then Sedona. And now in Florida, I, I get a lot of students. But in the Midwest, very few people are aware or want to be aware of the opportunity to experience some of the things that we're talking about. And you were in North Carolina for quite a few years. Yes, I know. The Bible Belt, buddy, where the Ku Klux Klan don't play no games. Uh... You told me one time you said you said Greensboro's about five years behind the rest of the world in these particular teachings. Has yeah, that yeah. has that has that distance changed any, or has it got wider? No, it's changed. It's changed. I see a lot of growth in the South now. Mm. I believe I'm down here in the South, Florida. Our, your, I'm going to say a statement and I want you to make a comment on it. The only difference between the student and the master is practice. Yes. Your thoughts and comments on that. You answered it. That's the only difference. You don't practice, you'll never reach the state of what they call mastership. It's not about reading and studying. It's about actually doing the work. You start from your physical level, your emotional level, and your mental level. And you have to combine all three of those elements together and do it every day. You call them you used to call them, and you probably still do, the people, the top heavies, the eggheads, all in our yeah. brains trying to just figure it out, all the schematics, but never get into our bodies. I right. was in, you um, have, you go ahead, I'm sorry. First. You have to get in your body first. That's the starting place. You have to activate the energies in your body, and that's going to... Supercharge the emotional energy in your body. 
and then you finally go to the brain. But Does that include Tantra as well? That includes everything on the spiritual path. Mm. Mm. And because a lot of people... I'm sorry, go ahead. Tantra starts from the body. Can you talk a little bit about Tantra as the as lifestyle, as the spiritual lifestyle versus what people focus in on first? The, the newbies who come into Tantra is all into the sexual side. Oh, the sex, tantric sex. I'm interested in, I've had people call me like, oh, I've, I've looked at three or four teachers and, you know, I'm interested in learning tantric sex. Um, can you talk about debunking that? Um, b- between the tantric lifestyle, actually living it day to day, like you, I tell people all the time, I'm practicing tantra while I'm sitting there on the phone. So y'all is practicing tantra now. His lifestyle, he's not having sex or, or intercourse or anything like that. Can you talk about the lifestyle versus the actual sexual tantra for a second, please? Tantra is equated to freedom. In all your actions, all the beings, all the fibers of your body, mind, and spirit. Sexual intercourse plays very, very little. You can put the sexuality and tantra in a thumb, a thimble. But the lifestyle allows you to expand your sexual energy in such a way that, uh, Uh, how can I say this where it makes sense to anybody? You disappear into the universe. Mm. And that's the only reason you use sexuality in consciousness. It's, it's not to get an orgasm or a super orgasm, none of that. It's a melting process. And when I say melting, you're mel- melting your personality ego. It's got to get out the way before you can have a real tantric sexual experience. So you can learn all the techniques in the world and all these books and everything, but if you don't dissolve your ego, nothing happening. Hmm. That's what Osho was talking about when he said ego less mess. You got it. So a lot of these so a lot of these issues that we have in our trauma drama and even in our physical states or our financial states is self-created because of swollen egos? Yes, it is. Hmm. Yes, it is. How does one... I'm sorry, go ahead. When I say ego, I'm not debasing ego. I should have said wrong uh, perception. The wrong view, as a Buddhist would say. Because our views are very limited dealing with the five senses. So you have to take those five senses in contra and go beyond the five senses so you have a clear cut cut point of view. Can you talk about 
the importance of intent when you come onto the tantric path. Because I'm going to stop using the word tantric practices. I'm going to start saying the tantric path. Because that's what I say I teach now is the tantric lifestyle. How to be free and happy and and dust off your shoulders, you know, and stay malleable while we you know and enjoy the time that you're down here and 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 not live in all and not live amongst all of this misery you know i may be here and have to follow the rules of caesar but i don't have to be miserable you know for me that's for me that's the that's the joy in the tantra and if i have sex that's cool if i don't that's cool too you know but me me being able to live with myself you know because most people have those private conversations when they're on the toilet, you know. And I ain't going to be in there trying to commit suicide while I'm in the bathroom or having those kind of thoughts. I want to be loving myself all the time. So can you talk about the intent for just a second of coming onto this particular path and um, what is what, what is in your eye or in your experience proper intent when coming down the spiritual path? Intent, my friend, is love. If that's not an equation, you can't have intent. Mm. You can have wishful thinking about intent. Intent implies that you're making a decision about something and following it through. But again, as I said, in, in our classes, if you don't have tremendous amounts of sexual energy, you can't have an intent anyway. Woo! But the will is weak. So you have to have the juice to have intention. And Let's talk about that for a second. Getting the juice. Having the sexual energy to meditate. I, right. In, in, in the piece I played that... um that Mantis had um, Mantis had made a piece for us. You know how Mantis, he'll take you and hook you over to music. And you said, yeah. it's there. You just got to cultivate it. And having That's that right. discipline, you know, um, you said that, I think one time, you're not going to get any money if you don't have sexual energy. You're not going to get nothing done if you don't have the juice, the sexual energy. And then Dr. Gibson just talked about just having sexual energy and the ability to astro project. That's your life force, my friends. Hmm. Let me see if I can get some. Let me see if I can get a little assistance on here. I got. I got a surprise. Oh, he fell off the line. Hold on. Let me see if he fell off the line or not. I got a, I got a surprise. I want to open the lines up um, to get a couple questions in here. I know people are looking at me like, hey, man, are you going to let us Are you gonna let us get in here and get some of this? Let me see. Um, hold on. I want to be real, real select for right here. See if I can um, pull up a surprise for you. Uh, mic check, mic check, 336-624. Your mic is live. Can I get your name and where you calling from? Namaskar. This is Scotty Carr from Fedville, North Carolina. Well, hi, Scotty. <laughs> hey, Sunyata. How you doing? Doing pretty good. 
I want to say um, thank you for teaching. I remember the first time we met, I didn't know who you were. You just looked at me and said, you must be Scotty. I said, that got to be Sunyata. I had no idea what you looked like or anything. But the statement that I had, well, not really a question at this particular time, that I guess I got from practicing what you gave us to practice was, if you practice what's practical, the impossible becomes second nature. Shit. Say it. I dare you to say it again. I dare you. Practice what's practical, and the impossible becomes second nature. Absolutely true. I want to ask the caller. I want to ask Sifu to expound on that and how that's been in your life. You know what I'm saying? How, can you expound on that a little bit for us? Well, in my life, I had to find the discipline to do the practice every day. It, you know, motivate myself to do the practice and not expect miraculous results, but just take it day by day and take it like the Dow if you don't, you walk your path. You, you don't necessarily run it, have to be Jesse Owens or anybody. Just walk your path, but walk it every day. And as you are consistent in your practice, then you will see the results when you least expect it. And some results that you won't ever expect. They're like, thank you. Glad I had a teacher. Somebody loved me. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and like they say in Buddhism, you got your, not necessarily saying I'm a Buddhist, but I agree with some of the tenets, where you have the Buddha, which are the teachings, you have the Dharma, which is your actions, or you practicing the teachings, and your Sangha, the right. people that you practice with, right. your community. Hmm. Senyata, practicing what's practical, the impossible becoming second nature. Have you right. seen that in your life? Absolutely. Hmm. Is that a precept that could help humanity? Because that's what I we're think, here for, the teachers. I think it's time to bring that forward now. You know, the days of the lecture is over, number one. All the lecturing and, 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 and doing workshops and all of that is good. But I found that when I do a workshop or a lecture or something, it might be 20% lecture and the rest is hands-on. So they can get an initial experience and take home and practice. So it's just talking about something is dead information. It's not knowledge. Knowledge comes with doing the technique and practicing, feeling it in your body and mind. Then you get knowledge, not information. Information is dead. And that's how I approach it. Mm. And I thought now that uh, the simpler that I produce these uh, processes and everything, people get it almost instantaneously. No exoteric jargons and all that anymore. It's not necessary. We're going to open the lines up, 347-205-9089, 347-205-9089. we got some people with their hands up, some people in the chat room getting ready to raise their hands up. Uh, Sifu Otter, thank you for the call, big brother. Thank you for the support. You know I love you. Love y'all, too. 
I'm a, uh, you ain't got to hang up. I'm going to put you back on mute. But if you want me to bring it back in, just press 1, take it off, and press 1 again. I'll bring you back. All right. All right. So, y'all, you got time to talk to a few people before we go? We got about 18 sure. minutes before 9 o'clock. You mind? Sure. All righty. Let's see who we got here. Um... First caller's been holding on for about 36 minutes. Caller from the 340-514. Your mic is open. Can I get your name and where you're calling from, please? All right. My name is Trista. I'm calling from uh, St. Thomas. St. Thomas of the Virgin Islands? Yes. Lovely, lovely, lovely. What's your name again? Trista. Hey there. Long time no talk to. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> all is well. All is well. How you doing tonight? I'm blessed. I was sitting as I was listening to um, Mitchell Gibson and and seeing out. I was painting, you know, you know, and stuff. And um, and I was sitting there and I had quite, you know, I said, well, man, this is so much information. You know, it, it's like, well, you know, like where do you begin to, you know, get, you know, I, I'm on the path of, you know, like I go on um, Dr. Gibson's website. And it's like you, you, it's like you're a kid in a candy store. It's like, well. Where do I begin? What do, do I begin? Which CD do I? But the first thing I down, definitely downloaded the Annabelle Core. That I definitely downloaded that, and I listen to that when I go to sleep. And you know, and it's like, well, where do you begin? Because especially, you know, I don't know if anybody addresses this. It's like when you're a mother, especially when you're children. You know, when do you, you know, get the time? Because you know, to to sit down and you know to do even just to meditate. It's just you know like where do you go where do you, where do you do and how do you do it because it's so much you know it's like you know as a mother and I, and I'm not speaking for anybody but I'm speaking for myself you know as a mother you feel like you're being stretched every which way but loose and especially now you know you've got the 2012 I know there's changes going on I know this energy within within me is is going on but it's like 